Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I am incredibly excited to have Dr. Susan Fox on. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here and look forward to kind of sharing some of my thoughts about how to help your listening audience. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Yes, happy to. So I'm a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine in the San Francisco Bay Area, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I've been in practice specializing in the area of fertility for the last 20 years. So I've had the good fortune uh, of of being able to observe and witness uh, over decades the benefits of combining traditional medicine and just natural medicine, either with or without sort of advanced reproductive therapies like IVF. Sometimes, sometimes they're appropriate and necessary, and I have no um, n- nothing to say against them. But I just do, I do think that there is much to be said for uh, preparing for your fertility, whether it is naturally or with assisted reproductive therapies. Um, I have an IVF baby myself, so absolutely not against them. But I wish there was more education about health and wellness and how you can improve your situation before going into treatment um, because it can dramatically change not only the outcome of your procedure, but um, it can dramatically change your whole life. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I would say that if I had a magic wand, I would I would uh, ascribe to anybody considering going into IVF, depending upon you know what might be the the need. I mean, obviously, if there's a sudden cancer diagnosis or something like that that requires a, a quick uh, you know IVF procedure to get eggs or embryos, then of course time is of the essence. Hmm. But if I had someone's time, uh, regardless of age and these other factors that are you know kind of in the uh, Western world considered, uh, you know, sort of you've fallen off a cliff danger zone yes. timeframes, I would like to see at least three months of preparation. So to ensure that the quality of those follicles that would be coming up for retrieval are are as enhanced as possible. And likewise, you know, as you say, the, the, the experience of the woman and the couple going through the procedure, they are through their own sort of nutritional foundation and emotional foundation able to better navigate all of what that entails with the hormones and so forth. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, you can't, prepare anyone um, really emotionally for what they're about to go through when they do a full round of IVF. It's, um, it's obviously very different for everyone. The experience is different. You can have some insight to it, but 
um, I do think, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> having, you know, that preparation is just so important. Right. So in Chinese medicine, um, you guys talk a lot about five elements. So we right. really want to like dive into each one of those elements. Um, can you just give a little bit of a background about those five elements? Certainly. So, so Chinese medicine is derived from Taoism, just an observation of life and the natural cycles of life. And the ancients, the uh, scribes who, who were really astute at, uh, at observing nature recognized we're not different from that. And so there are elements within each of us that, that have been um, sort of assigned uh, a, a relationship to different organ systems within our body. And when I speak of organ systems in Chinese medicine, I'm not speaking necessarily of the organs as we know them in Western medicine. So listening audience, if I speak about heart or liver or kidneys, please don't fear that something is wrong with your actual heart, liver or kidneys. They include those organs, but they are a much larger body than what these specific organs are do as we understand them in the Western world. Yeah. So we, we are made of these five elements. We are made of, of wood. You know, we grow, we're carbon beings. We are made of fire. We have sort of electrical frequencies that can be identified through EEGs, EKGs and so forth, brainwave activities. We have um, wood, uh, pardon me, earth, you know, our ability to digest and assimilate and eliminate properly. We have air, obviously we take in air and, and uh, we have water, we're mostly made of water. So these organ, th these elements are part of organ systems in Chinese medicine. And I can just go a little bit further into sort of aligning the elements to organ systems quickly, if that would serve. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I'm going to begin with, with the element of air. And air is associated with the lung and the large intestine organ systems. And when we think about it, we inhale and exhale actual air. We take in and we excrete our, our waste products, if you will, so that we can have more room for nutrition. And, and, and when we, and we, when we, when we are out of balance in our lung and large intestine systems, we will experience oftentimes grief as the emotional byproduct, if you will, of a disharmonized lung and large intestine organ system. We, we are also made of water. As I said, that's no, that's no surprise to anyone. And in the Chinese medicine model, the water element is associated with what we call the kidney system. Here again, this is not just about your filtering organs in the back of your body. It's, it has to do in Chinese medicine with what we call growth, reproduction, and aging. So we can probably most liken it to our hormonal systems as they change over time. We grow, we reproduce, we age, and so forth. Um, when those systems are out of balance, we say we say that is more associated with the element of fear. So, and it can it, it's a chicken and the egg kind of question. You know, does grief produce the disharmony, or does harmony produce grief, or you know these other uh, emotional um, uh, uh, pathologies, if you will? And the answer is yes. They each mm -hmm. produce. You know, it doesn't really matter which comes first. We just yeah. our, our goal is to identify what is the emotion or the system that's out of balance and begin there so that we can harmonize the entire five elements. 
um, after I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this in my own mind's eye through a, a circle, if you will. So if you think about a circle, each of these items is generating the, the energies for the next. So, 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 uh, so grief and the letting go allows us to make room for the next and the next is associated with the kidney system, the new, the phoenix rising from the ashes, the follicles deep in the primordial pool. And once that that is, you know, kind of in its generating sequence, the next energy has to do with what we call our liver system. Mm -hmm. And our liver system is about growth. It's about that impetus for creative potential. It's that spark of life that has us say, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to do that. I like dance. I, you know, like music. It really has a lot of that uh, magnetic draw toward. So it's a wonderful organ system. And as we know, our liver is responsible for so much in our bodies. Yeah. And when it is out of harmony, because it has so much potential, energetic potential, our response, our, if you will, our disharmony is more of an of an excess trying to express. So it is becomes this sort of, you know, road rage, uh, angry outburst. Um, when when it's not expressed, it can become repressed, and then we can feel depressed, which is a little bit harder. So I'd much rather have someone tell me, "Boy, I was pissed off yesterday," than "Boy, I feel depressed." It's yeah. still the same energy, but it needs to get expressed, and it's a lot easier, kind of like a toddler having a temper tantrum when they shake it off, blow it off, and then just get back to life as normal. Yeah. When that organ system is functioning optimally, then the next generation has to do with what we call our heart spirit. And so it has, it's not, again, not just our pumping mechanism that gets blood to throughout our body. It has to do with our sense of joy. And our joy wants to be a, a relaxed joy. You know, the, the, the joy that you feel when you're with a loved one, when you're snuggling, a, you know, a, a puppy or a baby or, or your sweetheart. Um, it, and when that, when that energy is, again, out of harmony, that, that uh, expression tends to be one of like excess joy is the term that we use in the ancient texts, but it's more like a bit of manic, you know, the, the, the individual wants to, you know, kind of not really deal with what's inside her heart. And so she's going to say, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. I'm just going to go party. Let's go have some more margaritas, it, which is obviously not the most healthy way to deal with an energy that is not feeling imbalanced. And then finally, in the fifth, uh, it, we, it is the spleen organ system. And here again, spleen is a funny word because we think of spleen as being the repository of old red blood cells in Western medicine. But in Chinese medicine, it is our master conductor, if you will. It is what we are now talking about as the microbiome being the the, the command central for all communications in the body, including mm -hmm. hormones. And so if that spleen digestive system is not functioning optimally, we get leaky. You know, I were, we're talking about leaky gut a little bit. Things just get a little, our barriers, our boundaries get a little bit um, unhinged and, and either particles of food in our own bodies get to escape their barriers i.e. leaky gut, or our thoughts escape and get leaky from our, our uh, ability to be sort of calm-minded and thoughtful. And the pathology, if you will, is worry. We tend to worry like that dog in a bone kind of worry, like just can't get off a thought. 
Um, and so, so depending upon, I'm just going to recap. So the five element emotions are grief, fear, anger, overjoy, that's the classic term, or worry. And so we look to see, and I'm an, and I encourage the listening audience to look to see what is your proclivity, because we all have a tendency toward one of them. Of course, we're all, you know, uh, inclined toward any one of them, but the, we tend to go to one. I, for one, tend to go to worry. Not a bit surprised. I have, you know, sort of a digestive sort of deficiency, if you will. That's the first chink in my armor. Um, so, but, but if you tend to go toward fear, then we want to look to, okay, how is your kidney organ system doing? And we can make adjustments accordingly. Yeah. That was a long-winded answer. I hope <laughs> no, it, was, it was good. Um, it always really fascinates me. I mean, obviously the East knew exactly what was going on. They were really switched in to how the body operated, not just on a physical, like tangible level, but how we are connected with our mind and spirit. Um, mm -hmm. My big question too, and like what I say to people is um, when you use kind of Eastern medicine, um, you have to remember that Eastern medicine was rooted without Western problems. Truth. And, and so when I say to people, when you go into these, um, holistic practices, one, always find a practitioner who you connect with when Absolutely. you walk into a room and you get, I just got chills. Like mm -hmm. when you get that vibe, because that's really where the magic happens. Like you can have someone who knows all the information, but if they're not bringing their spirit and their joy and their, you know, presence into it, I don't want to say it doesn't work, but it doesn't, it doesn't have that like vibration that we I want. Right. Absolutely agree. It, 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 and we can say that not only in the traditional Chinese or uh, Ayurvedic or whatever the traditional medicines are, it also occurs in the Western oh, yeah. model. Right. So, you know, if you go into an IVF center and, and in your heart of hearts or your gut is clenching around this, the energy of this person across the table, maybe go look for someone else because yeah. it's not, it may not necessarily be, their protocols, it may not be their information, but we're relational creatures. And if we can't relate, that's the opening, that's the portal that lets us then begin the healing process. It doesn't exactly. really matter what we do with our diet and supplements and so forth, if, if we uh, don't have that sort of heart opening. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So in your practice over the years, how have you been able to notice all the Western issues that women are now coming in with um, and really take that Eastern practice to uh, support them? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I almost I, I almost want to comically or jokingly say that it's there's nothing new in the 5000 years of, of the Chinese medicine model, we just have new names for it, right? Okay. So, whereas, you know, we now call something endometriosis, we would call it blood stagnation, where mm -hmm. we now have something called PCOS, we would call it damp stagnation. You know, if there is anemia, we would call it blood deficiency. So all of these names that, that we've been using for thousands of years, just have new ICD-10, which is called the diagnosis code for yeah. insurance purposes, <laughs> so, that, so, that the, so that the current community, medical community can, can understand each other. Um, so we really don't, 
we don't dismiss those diagnoses, we just almost translate them, which actually I find very much helps the individual because she may say, what the heck, what is endometriosis? How did I get it? And, you know, and, you know, what, what's the problem with it? And I will, I will answer those questions, but I, there's also a part where I can say, and it almost doesn't matter except for how to unravel maybe lifestyle or dietary choices that got you there. And sometimes yeah. it's not either of those. Sometimes it's simply genetics, you know, there's yes. a genetic predisposition toward. Um, so it, yeah, it, it, I think that the language, uh, I, ironically, the language of Chinese medicine, and I say ironically, because it can seem rather poetic and esoteric, resonates, like we feel it in our body when someone says, oh, you know what? you have endometriosis that doesn't like it's a word it doesn't mean anything but when yeah. we say you have blood stagnation in your uterus and so therefore that's why you're having this cramping and pain we kind of intuitively say you know that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah. yeah exactly it's so nice because i do think a lot of people or what i've seen is when people use eastern medicine they kind of just focus just on eastern medicine and not bring in the Western issues and really make it like as a whole, like you say, you've got to go um, into the root cause of the issues. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of women just think, well, I don't have to change anything because I'm going to my acupuncturist once a week and they're just, they've given me supplementations and I'm going to do acupuncture once a week. And then that's all I need to do. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, let's get down to, there's just so much more to it. And when right. you're able to add it all in together, right. it's, um, it's magical. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think that's a really important segue for our listeners that, you know, we, we are specialists, right? We've, as I said, I've been doing this for 20 years, almost solely in the realm of women's health with a strong specialty in fertility and pregnancy. Uh, so just as you wouldn't go to your dentist for cardiology, you know, a generalist may not know and I, and I mean no disrespect because yeah. he or she may have a wonderful repertoire, but this is a specialty and it, and it requires a, an understanding and a, and a learning of what is the Western diagnosis so that we can make that translation. And I will say if, the, if it serves, there is a, an international group for fertility specialists, Chinese medicine fertility specialists called the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine, aborm.org. And you know, if someone needs to get a specialist, you can look in their practitioner, find a practitioner column to see, is there anyone in your area? And some do um, sort of online video mm -hmm. consulting as well, where they could if you don't have a specialist in your geographic area, someone uh, can take your, you know, your intake and diagnosis and treatment plan, and then you can take that to your local acupuncturist. But I would not want to have someone just, um, you know, spend time and possibly waste precious time in seeing a generalist when this is a specialty. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's just really important that we get the whole picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent a lot of time and money with amazing practitioners who did know acupuncture. I mean, really, I connected with a reflexologist in the end. She was an expert in Reiki. She mm -hmm. was amazing, but mm -hmm. she wasn't 
attaching the physical things I needed to do, like finding out that I was highly intolerant to paprika and tomatoes and that I did have the silent autoimmune issue. Mm -hmm. So if I was still eating those foods, which I was because I thought I was on a healthy diet, no amount of anything was going to change that it wasn't right. going to fix it as much as I wanted it to. And as exactly, you know, like right. as much it would as have, you, yeah. yeah, it would have some benefit, but then you're adding insult is, you know, you yeah. walk out your acupuncture treatment, you have your, you know, paprika, whatever, and you've just undone yeah. you know, whatever, whatever, you know, um, whatever healing might've occurred in the session. So yeah, it really is important to understand that this is a specialty and you want a specialist. And it is not to say, mind you, that only those who you can find in that aborm.org um, organization are the only specialists in the world. There are others who are not members or fellows is the term we use of that organization, but it is a really easy one-stop shop to see, is there anybody in my area? Yeah. Um, I want you to specifically maybe talk about anger. Yeah. Because I think a lot of us carry anger before we even um, start dealing with fertility issues. And then obviously there, for many of us, there's a time of pure anger. Like we are really pissed off that this has happened to us. And obviously for a lot of the times we're not getting the answers or maybe the support we need, or we're just sent to do IVF, it fails. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, even though all of them are super important, what would be your top tips for anger? Or anger. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when, when someone comes in and their emotional presentation is more angry, I'm actually a little excited. I, I feel <laughs> optimistic because I say, good, you've got good chi and, and we can really work with this. We just need to unblock that chi so that that anger just gets to flow because it is only energy, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, it, certainly if you're prone toward anger, it's worth maybe doing a little self-exploration or using a therapist to say, is there a history of, you know, abuse or trauma or something that needs to get healed? Um, because, you know, we don't want to just kind of say it's all unicorn and daisies once we yeah. have our dance party in the living room and blow off our steam. But but, you know, we, so it's kind of a, we want we want to look to see are there hidden causes to the anger. But if it is, you know, I shouldn't say simply because it's not simple, but solely due to this particular, you know, uh, event that is troublesome, the, the fertility journey, then I would say there are things that we can do. We can certainly eat well for our liver, you know, so it's so eat detoxifying foods in Chinese medicine. We say the liver loves sour because it opens up and softens the liver so that those little pockets of the liver cells get to let go of whatever toxins they may be holding onto and get, and our liver gets to cleanse itself. So that would be, you know, your lemons, limes, fermented foods, um, you know, sour dates, things like that. Um, it has a lot to do with movement as well. You know, we've become a bit, we're sitting here in front of our computers talking to each other. We've become a bit sedentary, you know, as, as, as creatures, we're supposed to move. We're supposed to wake up, move until it's time to go to sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that where we, our minds are busy and we're, but we're, but we're focused, you know, on the computer, we're using just our brain and not so much our body. So I'd say find ways that you can joyfully express movement. Do you like to dance? Do you like to hike? Do you like to swim? You know, do you like to 
I'm not sure what else you can, you can yeah. do, but, but, you know, but the, roller yeah. skate, yoga, roller, exactly. skateboard, oh, surf, thank you. you know, thank like you. there's yes. so many different things. It's yes. not just yes. one, right? Yes. And thank you for saying that because yoga, you know, the, the ancient medicines would use movement as part of their prescription. So we would have in Chinese medicine, Qigong or Tai Chi in Ayurvedic medicine, we would have yoga, um, these are these are part of lifestyle prescriptions yeah. that everybody employed because there was an understanding that we're not supposed to be in one position, um, you know, craning our head necks forward, cutting off our flow of chi. Yeah. The other thing I would say is really well, so obviously hydration, right? You know, where I think we're a bit chronically hydrate, uh, dehydrated uh, in our busy lifestyles, where you know sometimes we knowingly choose not to hydrate, even though we might feel thirsty because we feel that we don't have time to urinate. I mean, and that's, you know, if, if that is a thought that's crossing one's mind, just stop there and realize and have a laugh. Yeah. Cause it yeah. is almost. I'm laughing because I, it's true. Like We've I know that the it. more I drink, the more I'll have to use the toilet. So, right. and, and maybe it's a subconscious thing too. Yep. yep. And, but eventually you won't. I mean, so, yeah. so, you know, once we, once we train our bodies to take in their their hydration, our cells to take in their hydration by giving them the nutrients they need, then we use it better. We, and we're not running to the restroom, you know, every half hour, but hydration is key. Um, so I would say, you know, definitely a, a, a dehydrated body is in stress and a body in stress is likely to be irritated. Mm -hmm. um, also sleep, you know, obviously, you know, we, we sleep is the new prescription in all in western medicine as well right we're we have just gotten so accustomed to using you know the the modern amenities of light and and electronics and so forth to keep ourselves stimulated when if we were out you know hiking and camping we'd be asleep because it's dark o'clock so i would say pay attention to your external environment you know if it's starting to get dark outside at 6 p.m wherever you are start to maybe dim the lights or turn some lights off in some of the locations. So you're telling your, your mind, oh, dark is coming. Mm -hmm. Then your pineal gland can start producing its melatonin so that you're starting that detoxification cleanup process, as well as starting, you know, the, the, it's the sleep hormone. It, it, it gets us drowsy so that we can fall asleep and have a good night's sleep. Yeah, exactly. Those are really good yeah. tips. I mean, I know they sound super simple, but like you say, it's just getting back to basics. It's getting back to how our ancestors lived for hundreds of thousands of years. Exactly. And, um, you know, all of our um, medical issues are on the rise. And it's actually just really simple to see why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our lifestyle is just, and it's interesting because, it, it, you know, in the last couple of years, we, we saw, um, well, we saw certainly an, a, an amplification of certain mental health issues for sure due to mm -hmm. isolation. We're not designed to be isolated beings, but we did see some, um, some improvement for some in their lifestyle because they were cooking meals at home. Yeah. And even though they were on the computer in their extra room or in their bedroom, perhaps, or in their closet doing their, their work during the day, there was a little bit less um, busyness around the getting to, getting from, and the other social commitments that were par are part of a larger, you know, maybe corporate setting. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've been, we've, we've really allowed ourselves to get, as you say, out of touch with our own natural rhythms 
and are using, you know, substances. And I'm not against coffee or or matcha or anything like that, by the way, or black teas. But if you're using a cup of coffee to get out of bed in the morning and then another one to get through your midday and another one because you're having a three o'clock slump, that's a sign that you, you want to be paying attention to what's happening in your external world that is forcing you to force your body through a day um, because that comes at a cost. Yeah, exactly. There um, over on the social media app, TikTok, there was kind of a trend going around about pandemic babies and how they were just um, like of a different breed and people didn't understand it. And I'm, I'm sitting there going because the mom wasn't stressed out. The mom didn't have to run to work nine to five. She didn't have all those social commitments that she used to. She literally just got to sit and relax, which that's what we used to honor our pregnant women to do. Mm -hmm. And the babies benefited from that because their cortisol levels weren't maxing out before they were even born. And they're not superhuman babies. They're what humans used to do. (laughs) That's exactly right. Right? They are human babies. And I mean, I was very, I always say now that I'm grateful for my infertility because I had to take care of my health. I had to slow down. Um, I was in a privileged position where I didn't have to work with both of my pregnancies and both of my son's people just could not believe what they were doing at three weeks, six weeks three months, six months. And it's just like, well, it's because I just, I learned to slow down where if I would have got pregnant easily and naturally at 27, it would have been a different story for my kids. Right. Right. It it would probably have been, okay, I can take my three month maternity leave. Then I need to go find a daycare or share a day. And it really just, I mean, I can feel myself feeling stressed just just thinking about it about it yes yeah yeah exactly it's true I think that you know we've had there are several silver linings of the pandemic and one is that uh, sort of reassessment of what it means to be a human being and how to take care of ourselves in our state of humanness yeah exactly and um, I mean it's just really important that's our big message here at finding fertility is not just about the two pink lines there's so many more benefits down the line that Um, you're just like, well, I'll deal with it when I get there. And when you get there and you're dealing with postpartum depression, when you've had a horrible um, pregnancy experience, when your labor was, you know, um, rushed and, you know, needed, you know, like there's just so many issues that can happen. When you're not producing milk well, and all of those things were, 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 could have been, uh, 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 what's what's what I want to say, they could have been improved you know, before pregnancy, because it's not, as you say, about the two lines, it's not about getting pregnant, it's about staying pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's about having a healthy pregnancy, a healthy baby, a healthy mama postpartum, and, you know, and, you know, re-entering the community with this new being to share, share life with. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure we can sit and talk about this all day, but I'm super excited that you came onto the podcast and we connected and you shared your massive wisdom with us. Tell our listeners where they can find you. So my website is drsusanfox.com, D-R-S-U-S-A-N-F-O-X.com. And um, I'm available, obviously, locally for for in-person treatments, but I'm also available for video consults. 
Keep in mind, of course, video consults that are outside of California. I am coaching. I am not a doctor because of the limitations of a license. So um, you, you can find me there and you can reach me through my email through that site or my phone number through that site. I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone might have pertinent to this conversation. Yeah, well, thank you so much. All that information is down in the show notes. So they can easily click on that. And yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.